Welcome to TBI Talks Tech. I'm Eric Hill, sales trainer with TBI, and along with me is Dave Polakowski, operations trainer here at TBI. And once again, we have some very special guests for you, actually two today, two times the fun. Um, first and foremost, Vice President of Global Sales, fairly new to TBI, uh, but not a stranger to technology. It's Brandon Smith. Brandon, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Also, another big hitter, Senior Vice President and Channel Chief at Comcast. It's Craig Schlagbaum. Hey, great to be with you guys today. This year's looking a little bit better than last year. I think we can kind of agree on that. We got the vaccine rolling out. Um, you know, agents, customers, sales professionals were starting to kind of get together again. So, Craig, I guess, what do you see, um, you know, with the channel coming this year and beyond? Well, you know, it's an extenuation of what we've already seen in the last year. And there's still a lot of companies that are continuing to develop their strategies as they move into this kind of new world order. Some really went quick with it. Others are still continuing. And in fact, as we conclude today, I would say we've had the best month that we've had in an entire year for Comcast business in terms of our sales through the channel. So we're starting to see a really big uptick in sales and funnel as well. So there's still a lot of new opportunities out there. And we're starting to see customers uh, do meetings again, and our teams are going out in the field selectively to go meet customers, and partners are too. And we're on the verge of closing some of the very largest deals we've ever had in our 10-year history. So there's some neat things happening out there, and obviously continued investment by companies in their IT infrastructure and their telecom infrastructure to sort of advance to the, the digital world. I think it's it's interesting to hear you say that, like through the pandemic, some industries were hit so hard, others like ours were kind of like, okay, you know what I mean? So from from that perspective, as far as where the channel is headed, you know, is it is it like a golden age? Would you consider it that, Craig? Or, or where where is the channel headed uh, in relation to direct? Well, I've used that term and I've actually heard it used by a number of partners as well out in the field as I go have my conversations with them over Teams calls and whatnot. And yes, they would say it is because there was a never a time where they were more in need than now because they really the, the need was by all these customers to help make that transition. And these partners were out there helping them make a pivot in a world where they didn't have necessarily enough IT resources on staff. So they relied on our partners to go do a lot of work for them. And that's really the, the job of the partners to put complete solutions together as a solutions advisor and put together solutions that involve network and communications and cloud and security. And that's why it was the golden age of the channel because so much of that need existed out there, particularly because a lot of companies had to do it immediately to create an environment for their remote employees that worked for them. And the channel stepped up to it. And now we're just seeing the continuation of that. And I think as more and more solutions are built and the more complicated they get, the average direct rep, you know, there, there's great direct employees we have and other competitors too, but they can't put the same kind of solutions together that the partners can because they've got an arsenal of suppliers and they can fit virtually every need. So that's why we see it as a great time for the channel. Yeah, I'd, I'd even double down on that, you know, through, through COVID. Uh, some of the largest MRC deals that I've ever seen in my history over 20 years were coming through. COVID, the enterprise really shifting over to the channel. Uh, that was something I saw over and over again through COVID. Now, Craig, 
post-COVID, do you still see that happening? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, there were some companies on the S&B side that were cutting, you know, down because they weren't open, particularly in the food service industry and other industries like that that couldn't be open because of the shutdowns. So on one side, we were sliding down. On other sides, uh, they were picking up on the enterprise side. And now everything is starting to move again because small businesses are open and locations for restaurants, those are open. I would say, you know, as good as it was last year, it's even better now because everything's open. I agree. What kind of long-lasting impacts do you think, like, quarantine will have? Stuff is starting to open up again. People are going back to work. Brandon, I know you said you're going up to Minneapolis. Next week, I got Keith Connolly asking me to come out to North Carolina. Are people going to be going back to the office? I've heard people say it's going to be a hybrid. It's never really going to look quite the same. But what are, what are your thoughts there, Craig? Well, I think they're they're right. There will be some hybrid. And in some ways, like on my team, we already had a lot of remote people anyway, and they weren't coming into an office unless we had a meeting. And so that'll be, I think, the same as it was before. There are operational employees that were not allowed to come in the office that will eventually be coming back. But I think it's going to also come down to sort of what's the new work environment, you know, across the industry. And, you know, competitively, you need to have a policy, I think, that mirrors what your key competition is, because otherwise employees find a new way. And if they enjoy that sort of hybrid world and you don't offer it, then you might be at a disadvantage as an employer. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's going to be interesting to see what everyone does. I know we're planning on going back to uh, office environments come this fall again, and we're working our way back towards that. But then as we speak yesterday, the CDC lifted the mask mandate, so it's hard to say what that's going to do in terms of accelerating some of that uh, across the industry. But I, I do think it will be a bit of a hybrid environment, and for that reason, the partners are going to have to design solutions with their clients that uh, entertain both environments, both you know on on premise and then remote employee. I think some of what you're driving at is like the the power of choice, right? It's like, well, I don't want to always come into the office. I haven't had to do that for two years. Why do I just need to all of a sudden on May fifteenth? be back in the office. I, I want the power of choice. And I think it's the same not only for employees, but for agents as well. And that's why a lot of the agents enter the channel because it's the power of choice. They don't want the corporate restraints that they may have experienced in a past life. But when it comes to the power of choice, agents having new tools and ecosystems to participate in and really help foster community, I think the two of you were chatting about something pretty cool that we've got coming up on the on the horizon here before we started recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, fresh off the press is uh, Cable Finder. Uh, so TBI has uh, completed the contract as of uh, yesterday with Cable Finder for all of the TBI partners to uh, be able to access that and utilize that. Uh, so I'll stop there. And, and Craig, you, you've seen this in your ecosystem for a good while now. Uh, so I'm very interested to see how that has uh, really affected Comcast and, and um, you know, has that changed the Comcast business world? Yeah, I think it has changed. And it was built by a partner for the partners in, in collaboration with the MSOs, the cable companies. And while it's great for me, it's also great for partners who sell across the cable footprint because in order to get quotes from all the cable providers, you had to log in independently to all of their systems and then have to generate service availability and contracts from all of that. And it's just very challenging. And if you have up to say a thousand locations, this tool can handle all of them nationwide and generate the service availability and the contracts on those so that you don't have to log into the system. So it's a real ease of doing business element. And it's been out there under innovative business solutions for a while, but now a number of masters are using it 
And I think it's one of the, the best tools in the industry, certainly, that we've seen and that is out there that allows partners to very rapidly determine whether a location is serviceable, and if so, generate paperwork so you can take deals off the street and get a customer to sign them right away without having to log into the internal systems of the MSOs, which is much more onerous. So it's a great tool for that purpose. The, the channel has to be about ease of doing business. And without this tool, it's not as easy to do business with the MSO. So not only is it good for Comcast, it's good for Spectrum, it's good for Cox and the other MSOs that are in that tool. Agreed. I just I need to know whenever Jeb decides to go public, I need the inside scoop on that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, it's, a, it's a great tool. They spent a lot of time on that and working out the kinks and making sure that it was debugged. And, and I think it's going to have a, a lot of appeal uh, to a lot of different partners. The other thing I think it's going to do is open up the aperture of the sort of species of partners that participate. Because for us, it's always been traditional telecom agents. And, you know, that's great. That's our bread and butter. But that, that universe is maybe seven to 10,000 partners in the United States. And then there's this category of MSP or IT solution provider that it's a different kind of partner. And those partners haven't participated in this model, I think partly because some of this is sort of dark arts and figuring out these solutions is hard for them without the tools. Well, this tool demystifies a lot of that and your average MSP could actually use this and get on board with selling cable without having a lot of knowledge the way maybe an agent does, simply because there's some operational nuances that they don't understand. This allows them to get on equal footing and perhaps opens up a new channel of partners to our world. Yeah. Now, well, in sticking with that theme, I, I will tell you that, you know, over the last, well, through COVID, I've seen a lot of different models coming to the forefront outside of the traditional telecom, you know, consultants. What have you been seeing on that front? Any models that stick out over the other? Well, certainly there, there's a number of partners that have entered ecosystems. And traditionally, you know, other IT partners used to just partner with agents and sort of send the leads their way. And then the agent would sort of do the heavy lifting on those opportunities. And it'd be more of a lead referral share model. And I think that's still traditionally what's mostly out there. Now, there have been some uh, IT partners that have jumped on the bandwagon and are starting to do this autonomously. But the more you empower those kind of partners with ease of doing business tools like this one, the more likely they are to participate because you have to get a new muscle memory like an agent has of doing this kind of work on a daily basis. And the easier the tools are, the more likely those partners would jump into this world. And so we're excited about it. I think it will encourage others to play. And I have seen some of those partners starting to get involved in, in deals, names that people would be surprised of, and I can't you know say here, but partners that you wouldn't think would have played in this world and now are. I think you can go ahead and say it. No one's probably going to listen to this podcast anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> I love you, Dave. And Eric. We're giving we're giving gestures that you can't you can't hear, but you can see if you're on the Zoom call. <laughs> you can feel it. Love. You can feel it. That's I do. Right. I can't. Are are those are those new types of agents, mm-hmm. Craig? Because like we've talked to to Janet as well about the shadow channel and where some mm-hmm. of these emerging partner types are coming from. Without giving away the farm, you know, I know there's stuff you can reveal and stuff you can't. But like, are any of those atypical and non traditional channel agents? Are they doing anything to drive customer engagement that the traditional channel agents just aren't? Well, there's some that do things like handling RFPs for really large customers. And they are hired for the sole purpose of vetting out multiple providers 
on various solutions, including telecom and other areas. And those kind of partners haven't participated that I've seen in this channel in the past and now are. And, and they're in, involved in some very, very large clients. So those are examples of, of that. And you know, having these tools makes it a lot easier for even them to participate. And they're doing other things beyond just the network side. They're involved in the IT side and they're involved in the communication side. And so, you know, that's an example. And then just your traditional, you know, million, $2 million MSP out there is looking for new ways to capture revenue and to be able to handle their clients' needs in a one-stop shopping model. Um, and, and as we all know, you know, there's all these marketplaces out there with Amazon and so many others. And the, the partner really needs to be a high-value-add entity because they would might otherwise be replaced by a marketplace model. So mm-hmm. it's all about building solutions that allow their customers to be more competitive and to uh, produce more agility and to drive more volume. And, you know, if everyone could just go to a marketplace and buy it all at their own accord, then the channel starts to lose value. So the partners, I think, you know, are going to be essential to help decide what the solutions are. I often talk about it, even if it's an MSP, to me, I see it more like a financial advisor. You know, you and I have a portfolio of investments and our financials advisor's job is to assemble a roster of the best investments and they place those investments for us and manage and monitor them. And for that, they get a residual commission fee. Uh, if you work for Morgan Stanley, for example, or one of the companies that has financial advisor firms, Wells Fargo, that's how you're paid, not unlike an agent. And mm-hmm. so I actually do see that the MSPs, the agents and others, they'll all start participating in that same sort of commercial model. You know, MSPs have traditionally been rebillers of services, but I also think they'll start being brokers of services mm-hmm. the same way that financial advisors and insurance agents are. And, then, and on some things, they'll bill the end user on their own paper. And so they'll have a combination of revenue sources, some that they bill for themselves and some that are billed on service provider paper like mine. And they'll collect commissions or what I call assetless gross margins. And it allows their business to be more robust and to be more valuable to their clients. Mm-hmm. Nine years ago, uh, there was a term that got thrown out, and I believe that if you were not the author, you were certainly the co-author of CloudVar Cable. And a mutual friend of ours, you know, kind of perpetuated that throughout the industry. Again, nine years ago, that was, which is pretty amazing. And when I sit there and reflect back on that time and where the channel was then versus where it is now, but is it fair to say that CloudVar Cable is still as applicable now as it was then? Well, I think so. And I think, you know, now that bandwidth has got to the price points and speeds that it's at, uh, that, that it's absolutely there. And because of that, you know, it made the, the channel and the, the agents more powerful. And, and when, when I started this thing, I think it was more about bandwidth, connectivity, basic voice. Now it's into SD-WAN, it's into security, it's into cloud and, you know, obviously you don't have to look far to understand just how incredible the world has changed. Just look at AWS, a nobody, nothing company 10 years ago for the most part, and is now one of the most powerful entities on earth. And, and so the channel needs to be helping facilitate how do you make that pivot over to that cloud environment and what infrastructure you need to make that pivot. But it's clear that, you know, that, that change is absolutely uh, happened at a at light speed, and I think it's as true you know now as it was then. Yeah, no, I, I I I wouldn't disagree with that at all. It's just kind of amazing how that one will has stuck, and I think it will continue to stick. Now, getting back to the to the new breed of partners coming into the community, 
which is always fantastic. I love, you know, different business owners looking at things different ways, but at what cost, right? So when you look at the traditional consultants out there today and you see these new type of uh, partners coming in, doing it a different way, really looking at things a completely different way, what does that mean to our current traditional partners? Well, I think they're going to have to expand their horizons and they are, and the best ones certainly know that, you know, things are moving well beyond where this channel was spawned, which was much more about voice originally than data. And now it's much more about, you know, moving towards layer seven from layer three on the OSI stack where they're doing complete solutions. And then in kind, the partners that have been more on layer seven on the applications layer, say a Microsoft partner need to also then go onto the network layer because these things are only as good as the network designed around them and the cloud environment they connect into. And so as a valued partner to your customer, you have to know the full stack. And I think the best agents out there are investing in that to be able to expand what they sell. And they're selling things that I never would have believed they would have sold, like Palo Alto Unified Threat Management, obviously SD-WAN, and of course UCAS, and, um, and many others are jumping into other areas. And some aren't, but I think the ones that are most successful have diversified. And I also think that the partners that were on the IT side who never touched the network side are now examining that as well. And maybe they all meet in the middle at some point, uh, which has always been my dream, so that we could expand the size of the channel you know, from more of a, a niche or focused area to a much broader base group of partners. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. From a, agree more. from a training perspective, I always try to get agents to ask questions about applications and start at that layer seven because I feel like it's much easier to then back sell everything else versus working your way up the OSI model, but it's it's easier said than done. You know, I think agents, they, they started their business for a reason. They've been successful for a reason. And so sometimes to get them to change their behavior, where if they've sold network for years and years, it's tough to get them to pivot and, and sell cloud. Yeah. And I think you, you just have to realize that everything you're selling is going to involve cloud. So if you don't know it, how do you understand what you're talking about to your clients and you don't understand the total solution that they're trying to deploy? So I think, you know, you almost by default have to understand all this. I was talking about this to a group of people the other day about, you know, certified financial planners and the rigorous tests you have to go through in order to become a CFP so that you can assemble a portfolio. Well, I don't see it a whole lot different than the way you have to do the same thing in the IT world. And certainly on the application side, there's always, you know, all the credentials you have to have if you're a Cisco partner, Microsoft partner. And I think agents are going to have to up their game to develop some of those skills as well. And then in, in kind, I think some of the Microsoft partners and others need to understand the world of communications better than perhaps they do. So I, I think the time is coming where, you know, you really need to have a versatile knowledge across all those areas. Because if you don't, then I'm not sure how you can design appropriate solutions. And, and the more value you add to your clients, then the more things they're going to provide to you to put a solution together on so you're not just limited to one specific area like network only and nothing else and i think most partners realize that and frankly it's a demand of the customer you know they want one partner to handle their needs not 10 partners mm -hmm. so you know it's critical that even if you can't do it all yourself that you have an appearance of a of a total group of partners that help solve the customer's problems and not 
totally unlike a general contractor who hires a plumber, an electrician, and a framer. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to have the, you need to be the GC at the minimum and say say that you're the the one neck to choke, even if you have other support from other partner species that can help you put the solution together. That's a, that's a really good analogy. Yeah, I think agents sometimes try to play hero ball, you know, and it ends up being the game telephone between like a solution provider like Comcast to the agent, to the customer. And then, you know, from the agent back to Comcast, I feel like if they open things up more a bit on the agent side and allowed vendors like Comcast access to their customers, we would see the fruits of that labor. Yeah, agreed. Don't bring common sense into it, Eric. <laughs> Can't deal with common sense. No. You mentioned SD-WAN, though, a few times, Craig. And I, I remember, and I still see it, but all the messaging around Comcast Active Core solution. Yeah. Is it, I know it's an SDN solution, but is Active Core SD-WAN? Yeah, that's a great question. No, it's a platform by which many different virtual network functions can be put on it. SDN is, is the platform overarching called Active Core. SD-WAN is one component. And then we've also got unified threat management through Palo Alto. That's another component, um, another VNF. And we'll be adding many more over time. So the notion is to go from the tyranny of the boxes in the closet where the customer is with all these different devices to just one simple pizza box size where it's all software driven, of course. And we don't have to deploy truck rolls and issues associated with management of that equipment the way the past has been. And instead, it's all virtualized functions. So it's an SDN platform of which SD-WAN is the core foundation. And then we'll be adding virtualized network functions on top of it over time and unified threat management we have now. So we're excited about it. And it's, it's, a, it's a game changer. And beyond that, there's a massive move from MPLS from a lot of customers over to SD-WAN. So this has been a product that was sort of nascent three years ago and really has started to explode lately. So not, you know, we call our team the network crew for a reason, my team especially. And the notion is that our channel for the partners is all about managing the network and then the network asset itself, which is our, our great uh, connectivity assets with fiber and coax. And so what we want to do is sell that network connectivity and the management of that connectivity. And if that's all we ever get, uh, we'd be happy campers. And it's a, it's a very core piece to our message. We're not trying to be all things to all people. But when we talk about Comcast business, that's the key. It's our network assets. And then Active Core is the SD-WAN. We'll add other functions on top of that. And that's a big piece of what we pitch to our partners and what we're good at. I, uh, I definitely need more information on that and probably a, a training session from Comcast to fully put my arms around it. Hey, we do it tomorrow or even today if you're ready. <laughs> hey, I love, what I, do. got, I love what I do, but I think tomorrow's Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you never stop working in the channel. Come on. That's, that is too true. Yeah, that's, that's one thing I learned. Uh, that's why my eight by eight number is on my signature and not my cell phone because it rolls to my cell. <laughs> it rolls to my cell anyway. Uh, they call it a lifestyle, I think, right? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It is. It is a lifestyle. Craig, I know you've worked with Brandon in the past, right? We don't. We don't have to talk about where he came from, but more so, what I wanted to hear from from your perspective, Craig, is what you feel like we have in Brandon now that he's here with TBI. Well, he's a knowledgeable person with a lot of great relationships in the channel, certainly, and a lot of 
folks know them. And this channel is a lot about relationships, frankly. And you, know, you certainly have to have good ease of doing business tools and support and all those sort of table stake items. But I think a lot of what differentiates things is, is the relationships you have. And, and those can't be trivialized. They, they, they're built over years. I have them from the last 20 years, and so does he. That's the piece that's most important. My rugged good looks. I thought that might be <laughs> in there, but no, I did not hear that. I was going to say, I, I like Brandon, but I don't like looking at his face. We're too many VCs so far. Unfortunately, I didn't make, unfortunately didn't make the list, Brandon. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, mom even said I have a face for radio. <laughs> Gentlemen, Brandon, Craig, thank you so much for joining us. Um, got a lot of good information. Partners, if you're listening out there, get outside your comfort zone. Start um, moving into some different parts of the stack and that sort of thing. So, gentlemen, again, Brandon, Craig, thanks for joining us. Uh, this is TBI Talks Tech. If you have any questions or if you would like to see any guests on our show, please reach out to the training department at training at tbicom.com. And for Eric Hills, I'm Dave Polakowski, and we will see you next time.